curator will see you now. Are you looking for conversations with some of the hottest names in horror today, like Eric LaRocca, Haley Piper, Clay McLeod Chapman, Laurel Hightower, Jamie Flanagan, and Allie Wilkes, along with indie horror superstars like Brianna Morgan and Joe Coach? Then you should tune in to Terrifying Tomes of Terror with your host, the curator of horror, Chance Forshee, wherever you get your podcasts. The story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes, when every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were. Only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does, and it won't stop, not until you come home, back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming-of-age story, Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys, and A Place for Sinners. Out now. From the host of This Is Horror Podcast comes a dark thriller of obsession, paranoia, and voyeurism. After relocating to a small coastal town, Brian discovers a hole that gazes into his neighbor's bedroom. Every night she dances and he peeps. Same song, same time, same wild and mesmerizing dance. But soon Brian suspects he's not the only one watching and she's not the only one being watched. They're watching is the Wicker Man meets Body Double with a splash of Suspiria. They're Watching by Michael David Wilson and Bob Pastorella is available from thisishorror.co.uk, Amazon, and wherever good books are sold. Welcome to Dead Headspace. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. Today, we are talking to a author slash anthologist, amongst many things, Mark Matthews. Say hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. And let's get down to the dark side of you, sir. What got you into horror? <laughs> um, well, I, I grew up watching it, like probably most of us, and um, we all grew up in different eras, though, but um, mine was a Night of the Living Dead time. You know, that was a big deal. It came out at 1130 and watched uh, The Ghoul, and I tried to stay up. And um, my brother, my my brother is deceased now, but he got me into horror largely and um, took me to see all the slasher movies, the Halloweens, and we'd watch the Phantasm, and we'd analyze it and um and go over the scenes over and over again. And I just love the creativity of it and um, and kind of like the social transgressiveness of it, um, so to speak, meaning the way it looked at Maury's and Norm's. And, um, and uh, you know, I think I was, a, and this probably holds true today, I was a scared little boy. And so when I watched horror, I'm like, that's me. I'm that scared little dude, you know, um, who maybe the parents don't, talk to them so don't know what's going on and there's monsters after him and um and so um i could relate to the characters i saw i have a visit by the cat <laughs> not not a first guy guess to have that either um no <laughs> yeah that I, I can totally relate to that man like cars scared the hell i mean i remember uh spencer store i go in there and i'd always see this like life-size chucky so you know nothing big three feet whatever and it would just creep me out. And eventually I watched the entire series. Oh, hey, super random, but I love that shirt, by the way. The girl with the oh. <laughs> girl with the uh, dragon tattoo. Okay, yeah, that's it. I didn't know if that was the uh, other book, uh, the sequel. Oh, uh, no. Well, there's there three of them, but I think the, the last one was written kind of by a poser. I refused to read it. The <laughs> um, story behind this shirt, I literally got it in Denver at Boulder's Books. Um, and the day before I was on a character panel at SokerCon and everyone's like 
actually, I moderated. So I, uh, my question was, pick one fictional character that really sticks out to you that you just like, wow. And I picked Elizabeth Salander, and because she is, you know. I, and then next thing you know, I saw this shirt, and I'd never seen it before, so I figured it was a sign by the the gods that I had to get it. And so that's pretty awesome. Like I, I see, I see the book all over the place, but I don't see merchandise for it. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Well, I should tell your audience that I have been pretty sick all week, and so my voice is jacked up, and I might be coughing and drinking water and stuff, and. Um, I've tested negative for COVID three times. I tested right after StokerCon because a few folks had it and was negative. And then I started getting a sore throat. And I'm like, oh, shit, here it comes. <laughs> but then I tested two more times and both times negative. And I'm really glad to hear that. I saw that Mallerman, I just saw it recently today that he said that he had it. Yeah. Well, he had it well before. Actually, I ran into him um, this weekend. He, his, his band was playing down the road, the High Strong. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah there's, there's quite a few of you guys that are in that general area of Michigan, right? Isn't isn't I could be way off base. I don't know my geography of Michigan super well, but isn't Chad Lusky near you guys too? He's he's more in Grand Rapids, um, mm-hmm. but he is in Michigan. Um, I think Philip, I forget how you say his last name, Fracassi. Yeah. I think he is from the area. Um, Kathy Koja is from the area. Mm-hmm. Thomas Ligotti, who I don't think lives here anymore, but he grew up, I think, largely in Detroit. That's that's pretty cool. Brendan, you want to go back to the earlier stuff? Because I yeah, feel like well, first off, I'm just thinking you guys are second only to Pennsylvania as far as horror writers per capita. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually really interested in the idea of younger Mark uh rehashing and analyzing, you know, different scenes. I'm curious, what did you I guess it's two separate questions. What did you what did you hope to learn at the time and what did you end up taking away from that that you might still use today? Ah, you know, and when I mentioned that about analyzing scenes, um, well, both of these are similar scenes. They're where you think you're safe, but you're not. And at the end, after you've gone through the ordeal, because the monster has to be scary through the ordeal and trials and tribulations, and you got to prove you're worthy. And, you know, that the finalness, final boy, girl, that's all changed. But, um, the scene with the cats coming. The scene with um, the the uh, what's his name? The, the, and Phantasm, the monster guy. Oh, the, isn't it just a tall man? Yeah, the tall guy, the tall man. When he's in the mirror and he's like, "Boy, yeah, right." Yeah, they got some um, really that, neat shots in that too. Yeah, that scene. Cats showing up as one eye, right? <laughs> that scene just blew me away, and I think. Similar to the scene where, you know, Michael Myers is gone from the lawn. Um, and because I think that is, you know, we're, we're never really safe. We maybe survived the ordeal and we maybe grew stronger because of it. Um, and that's why I like, um, what did I learn? I don't think, I like stories that end when they're not over, like, or don't have a final ending to them where something is still happening and maybe ambivalent or it's, um, there's going to be have to be a battle that's going to be fought another day um because i think that's how real life works you know there's no full resolution like something's slain it crawls back to the shadows and it maybe has another face next time but it's still there so um you know and that, that happens a lot in, in horror um and i think that is kind of reflective of how i see life is that you know you're kind of constantly having to battle the darkness so to speak yeah. yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that's a great example. Um, the the scene where, you know, camera pans back to the lawn and Michael Myers is gone. Um, a much more powerful ending than something definitive, really. Um, yeah. and, and as a writer, I, you know, I, I love the I love the ambiguous ending, but I also part of me loves the idea of keeping the door open to a crack on the off yeah. chance that I ever want to go back and write in that world. Yeah that I yeah. give myself an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and because there's those characters, you, you know, you, you've spent 300 pages with them or 200 pages and years and months, and you want them to have more of a life to them. And they do, you know, so um, you have a couple of my novels. They ended very like on the lips of children was my first horror novel and it ended very ambiguous. And if you look at the, reviews people some people were upset other people was like no tell me more and 
like this guy's being taken back and you don't know if he's being taken to his family or to the, you know, the, the evil feral twins that were eating people <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I don't even know, but um, so that's the kind of ambiguity uh, that I, I have mm -hmm. to go for. You know, I'll take the uh, tell me more review every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you get to the end of my story and you want to hear more, like I succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there has to be some payoff, obviously. But if it's uh, yeah, if if you're left hanging with you're still invested and want to know what's on the next page, then right on. You've done your job. I'm just thinking about also because um, I'm of the. I guess if we're categorizing things we like, I really like war stories and, you know, you could have a world war two or whatever the war is. Yeah. That's that shit obviously is a whole nother level, but when they get home, I mean, like you, you throw in any variable and that's just another good example. Like that chapter of the war is over and you could have been this guy that got, you know, some really high, uh, ranking Taliban or whatever. Um, and that's great. But then you're only uh, so young and you still got a lot of challenges ahead. So just kind of what I was thinking about when you guys were talking about that. Um, and it's kind of interesting too, because if you have an end, if you say this is the absolute end, I mean, is it really that fun for as a creator too? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm thinking of the um, and we can talk all day on this, right? Is um, the uh, haunting of Hill House hmm. in, the, in the Red Room, and and I talked with, um, we may be getting to this later, but I talked to the Jamie Jamie Flanagan at Stoker come, and yeah. um, very cool, yeah, and that was that was one of the best parts of it, and and I so I my theory, I wanted them to like, they're still in the Red Room, at least I wanted to believe it, and he's we talked about it, a lot of things, he's like, no, that wasn't, it. so I'm like, what do you know? <laughs> 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 did she say that to oh, no, no. <laughs> I promise I didn't say that um, he seems I, like I, a super I, nice guy yeah he was yeah and, and a lot of folks got a chance to talk to him because he made himself available and so very approachable um, I was in a panel and they're like and the, the writer of Midnight Mass I'm like what the hell and approached him later and he was eager to talk and um, in fact he um one of the things he told me, he's like, well, why'd they nominate episode six? Episode five, I think, was a little more, you know, elaborate. And um, and um, so I'm talking to him like, shit, I better remember what episode five was. I, um, that was one of the AA meeting and the long scream at the end. And um, so I told him, you know, that next year to win for that, right? <laughs> so, Man, that's, that's so cool. I don't know, you know, I don't know the history of, of like Stoke Hunter or other scenarios like, like this, but it's really cool. Cause I tell some of my friends that aren't writers, I just think it's really neat that we live in a time and age where like Mark, you talk to Jamie, right. And, and if I didn't know him, I could be like, well, I mean, he, he's at least talked to him. And that's really neat in the sense where like, we are one person away from knowing everyone. Like we, we all know someone that knows and is probably friends with Stephen King, you know, be it Bev Vincent, Richard Shizmar, a few others. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool because um, yeah. that's really powerful if you use it in the right way. Social media has done some of that for sure, just because you get to know people before you see them, I think. And, and people are receptive often, you know, of getting a shout out randomly from a fan or someone with an interest. So sure. Um, I, I would have been really was Mike wasn't there. Was he Mike Flanagan? No, no. And, and Jimmy was real clear. Like, listen, I only did a certain percentage of this and Mike did that episode and you know, he wasn't <coughs> Um, Mike has a picture out with him holding the. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, I'd be really interested to hear those two and how their upbringing was. Um, I don't think. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go, go ahead. No they, they were raised. I know they were raised Catholic. Um, and because I talked about <laughs> yeah, the whole midnight mass theory, right? Yeah. The whole midnight mass premise, I should say, not I, theory. I, I understood. Yeah. Okay. That's um yeah that's that's really fascinating. So let's just dive into the StokerCon. Uh, is there anything in particular that maybe for people that aren't aware what the StokerCon is, or or maybe newer or aspiring writers or editors or anyone in this industry, is there anything that you would like to kind of throw out there? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, well, here's my um, editorial. I wish they would never have changed it from a horror writers convention to StokerCon because I don't like that the focus is the awards. Mm-hmm. At least that by the label, it would seem like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm done saying that, um, I went to my first, I've only been to three, no, I've been to four. And I'm not necessarily the most social guy, but when you go there, no matter who you are, you see someone with their little lanyard on with HWA, StokerCon on. And for me, it was like, we have something in common. I can just start rapping with them, all right? Mm-hmm. All them on a tweet and I just started talking to random people and um, met so many people. Um, I go in as a as a fan as a, as much as like I'm not there necessarily to to make a big deal or meet an agent or that kind of crap. I just want to rub elbows with people and and get pumped up for the material and get excited by it. So um, I met Jack Ketchum in Vegas and so cool. um, that was amazing. Yeah, and um, I sat next to. Um, Jennifer McMahon, that was really neat. I, I would say definitely, like, I, there was times where I, like, look around, I'm like, I don't have no one to talk to. What the fuck? I'm just going to go to my room for a minute. You know what I mean? Or just go get a break because, you know, you just feel, like, awkward because I didn't go there with anyone. But those moments are fewer and fewer. So that's that's really excellent. Yeah, I would think so, especially now because, um, and we can talk, I would love to talk about anthologies later on, uh, obviously, with your trilogy, too. But I would think that your name is kind of out there now too, because the trilogy that you have out is uh, it's, it's solid, man. It's really solid with the table of contents, with the quality, you know, with the covers. It's um, I think people take notice of that. Brian, jump in. Cause I'm i uh, I'm waffling. I, I would actually love to hear you talk a little bit more. You mentioned uh, being part of a few panels at uh, Stoker con, Give us give us a little rundown of uh, some of the topics and some you know points of interest that people might find interest in. Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, I was on one on um, on mental health and um, horror. It was it's called Hope in the Age of COVID or Writing in the Age of COVID, and it was about um, you know how there was extra stressors on everybody. And I, it was the second time I've done it. Um, and about writing about mental health and as horror writers, how we have a duty to be not to stigmatize and how, I mean, it, horror is the perfect arena to write about mental health issues. Um, but it's easy to fall into cliches and, um, you know, just write some real um, stuff that makes the world not a more enlightened place. Cause I think horror can enlighten. So, um, and which, which works that um, really seem to do that. Um, and, then I was on a panel on settings. Um, that was really interesting. Um, I um, I knew I was going to be with Jennifer McMahon, so I read her book really fast, Children on the Hill, and I got a chance to learn a little bit more about what brought that together. It was um, eerily similar to the setting, and I'm not going to say in quality because that would be arrogant as hell, but <laughs> my novel, Bob Goblin of Little Minds, it was a psychiatric unit. And it was with some experimentation with the belief that we can create mental illness and actually siphon out the best parts to a degree in eugenetics and eugenics. And um, so that was fascinating sitting next to her and hearing about some of her settings. Um, I shared the setting of, um, if I don't know if you guys ever read, um, it's a novella, but it's also my short story collection called Body of Christ. I haven't read that and, one. <clears throat> Okay, it kind of freaked out the audience a little bit when I shared what was happening, and they're like, "Oh shit!" That's um, awesome. And then a couple of people came up and like, "Where can we find it?" And I just gave them the book because I just want to be read, you know. So, um, so that was interesting. Um, and then I moderated my first panel, um, and check out this powerhouse panel that I was at. I was um, Brian Keane, Gabino Iglesias. Um, Violet Castro, um, Genevieve Flynn, um, Jennifer McMahon, who we mentioned, you know, and then me, and I'm supposed to moderate them as my first time. And so it was, uh, so I tried to prepare and have all these questions ready. And um, it, I mean, it went fine. It was, it was, uh, Brian just can bullshit with anybody. He's just a great guy, um, I think. And he, I even sure. told him that. He's like, a lot of people call me an asshole. That's good to hear, Mark, or something. And I'm like, you know, he just, multiple times, last 
year I talked with him a little bit and, and in person he's just and I think that's how he lives his life is just a great guy and, and does a lot for the community so um so that, that panel went well we talked about characters and um I got through it um some of my <laughs> questions I was like what's that I said you survived somehow <laughs> yeah exactly yeah well it was funny like a, a, I was in a panel before that watching and and um I probably shouldn't say it because I'm disclosing something, but someone's like, don't moderate like this. You know, the, the moderator was just talking the whole time. And so. mm-hmm. Totally get it. Yeah, you don't want to do that in podcasts either. So, Mark, yeah. uh, no, just kidding. I was trying to set you up for something, but oh, I can't. It's the same thing, yeah. really. I was trying to be a smart ass, but man, my brain's not uh, firing on no, all. It's very so similar, it's- except you get to edit your shit. I mean, I would have edited the hell out of my panels. <laughs> nope, all live. <laughs> Anything you throw out there. <laughs> no. We 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 were talking about trying something live. We'd like to do that eventually, just to kind of mm-hmm. make it more inclusive with uh, you know, if people have questions or whatever, get a yeah. live reaction, that'd be cool. But that's interesting. Brennan, I feel like I'm cutting you off. Go ahead. Uh not not a question, but I I would love to throw out there that, you know, especially um Anybody who's read Hobgoblin and especially stuck around for the afterward, um, I think that just makes you such a clear cut and good choice for uh, participating in a panel on horror and mental health. And especially revolving around the subject of destigmatizing and, you know, approaching it with respect. So, you know, good for you for being on that panel. I think it's a great choice. Well, thank you for saying so. Um, I mean, there's a reason I write. I write much better than I speak. That's for sure. So <laughs> I even engaged my, uh, proposed to my wife in a story. I wrote her like five chapters, like one page chapters. And we were on a trip and I handed her one at a time. And the last one was, you know, a proposal. So wow. I knew I'd buy it if I had to speak it. So That's pretty awesome, though. Mm. Brennan, is there anything on StarCraft that you want to cover? Can we jump into Oh, I'm ready to go to anthologies if you are. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Mark, you, you've got this lovely collection of anthologies with Orphans of Bliss having just come out, uh, starting with Garden of Fiends. And, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, you released Lullabies for Suffering, which is kind of a spiritual sequel, if not an actual sequel, um, because they all cover the same topics. So uh, I would love to start out with how the first one came to be and i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about addiction horror oh sure um how the first one came to be um well i had um it's hard to say without talking about i'm the lips of children was published by a mid-level publisher books of the dead and i met some amazing people the publisher was very cool it was a great experience but i realized with these publishers, you have to do half the work, if not all of it, you know, all the, like, he's like, I'm not publishing it till you get blurbs and then you have to market. So then when I wrote uh, Milk Blood, which was an addiction horror novel, and I'm like, do I give it back to him or do I, I've learned something about publishing. So I published it on my own and I really enjoyed it for a lot of reasons. I mean, like if it wasn't selling, you know, do a freebie and then let people, you know, pick it up or do a sale price or I could give out copies and, um, and so I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the, the process. And I've learned so much about the formatting, the, the cover art. And um, I met Keelan through that. He did the cover art of my first self-published work. Um, so then I don't know how the idea came to me, but um, and you'll see many times, John Taft, John F.D. Taft, I, I ran the idea around him and he gave me all the confidence. He's like, you can do this. You can do this. He gave me the, the kind of cliche, if your dreams don't scare you, it's not big enough. Um, I asked him so many questions and still do. And I put out an open call for that one. Um, and, um, I did invite a few people. Um, I got, you know, hundreds of submissions, as you can guess, as every open call does. Um, I think I paid and not as well as I am eventually, but I paid fairly well. Um, I asked Jack Ketchum personally, and I still remember getting his email and I still look at it once in a while. He's like, how about this one? Alcohol and pussycats. <laughs> um, and he has a story in there called returns. That's um, so cool, man. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was hard going through all those submissions. There was a lot of them that were on the fence. Um, there's a couple that were 
like novella lengths that are published now that are doing well. Um, I went out and read um, um, Jessica McHugh's novel, The Green Kangaroo, and that is an amazing novel if you've never read it. And it has a perfect breaking point for the sample to be in um, at, at its own story in Garden of Fiends. Uh, Max Booth wrote something, and as, before I even got done reading it, I wrote him and said, dude, I want it. You know what I mean? It was with his typical, you know, bizarre humor, potty horror, really creative, um, really witty dialogue. Um, having Keelan write something for all three has been amazing. So, um, but um, yeah, the open call was was very hard. And I, you know, you um, don't like to tell people that, you know, you're not going to publish your story. It's, I'm not good at that. And I wasn't made for that. And um, <laughs> so, um, and um, well, let me get to addiction horror. You asked about addiction horror. I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, they go together so natural. Um, and you look at it, a lot of movies portray addiction, even as a, you know, kind of a subcategory. Some of the Saw movies have it. Um, the latest Evil Dead um, with Maya and her heroin addiction. So, um, it, you know, it, because I think it's hard to, within reality, portray the power of a subject that is so much bigger than reality because the way you experience it um, is such a spiritual devastation, such a body transformation, um, and such hell you go to. How can you, I almost think of it more as met, dark magic realism than horror because it's it's reality times 10 it's not fake so Damn, that's a i've never heard that that's cool that's <laughs> a really cool way to look at it man black magic realism yeah for <laughs> real because i mean what do drugs do to you they take you out of this reality yeah that's what magic does so how can you use reality to describe that <laughs> brennan is there a particular book that you want to focus on with addiction horror or was it just as a whole well let's let's get you you talked about uh the open call process with the first one and a lot of the stories and contributors let's move to lullabies which as you know uh is, is just one of my favorite anthologies ever and i'm i'm so curious about uh how you opted to make the move to having less stories in there but having them take up a little bit more room because for me that's kind of the biggest thing that worked yeah, um, a few factors. One is um, I don't necessarily, I'm not good at writing a short story, so maybe I projected that other people didn't want to write them, but more so um, um, I think that once I get into a short story, I don't want it to end. And I have a hard time when there's 20 stories, even 15 in an anthology, because it takes a while to orientate yourself to the world and get the conflict and, you know, who's Joe, who's Bob. And the next thing you know, the story's over sometimes. And so there's a little bit of a letdown. So I like, I think the novelette is a good answer to that. Um, larger chunks of time um, to be spent inside the world. And, you know, you create more conflict, create more character um, depth and, and plot and such. Um, and as far as the going to the, the invite only, it was, um, there was people that were asking to be in them. Um, and there still has, which is amazing. Um, so in that sense, I still have to say no sometimes. Um, um, and uh, I think the success of Garden of Fiends, and this is something Tap called me, the whole make them say no. So um, and you're like, who should I ask? So you know, when I asked Gabino, I think him saying yes, he's like, oh yeah, I love Garden of Fiends. Um, and then I think, um, I remember when Carolyn Kepnes said yes, I literally ran around the room. Um, so excited, like, what the hell? Um, and I, you know, when I wrote her, I was like, hey, Gabino said yes, you know him, right? Wouldn't you like to be with him? <laughs> Something like that. Um, so, um, her heart is in horror anyway, I think, as you know, she's been writing more. Horror. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, she's a fellow New Englander for Brian and I. <laughs> yeah. I think she bounces back to LA, LA once in a while, too, mm -hmm. right? Um, and getting Mercedes' story. Um, to finish that was such a I felt perfect closer. She's got her own oh, style. Yes. And, um, yeah, we love her, man. Yeah, the way that finished and um, with the, she has a lot of themes that run through a lot of her works and it mm. just yeah. 
Um, I don't think anybody who's familiar with her work, it wouldn't surprise them to learn that that story is just, it's, it's beautiful heartbreak. I mean, it's, you're right. That is the perfect closer for the, for the anthology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. And, 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 and that was also, um, Taft went and did a non-substance addiction, which a lot of people are asking about. And I was, uh, didn't want that to be the, like, I think a little bit of spice, because I think you can be addicted to a lot of things, but mm-hmm. and his was, um, you know, the, the the obsession for self harm and pain, and, um, and his was very cosmic. Um, if you remember his story, what yeah. was it? The melting point the of meat. The melting point of meat. Yep. Yeah. And um, we've mentioned him a couple times, and it, you know, it's worth giving him a shout out because he likes to pretend to be a grumpy old man, but he is one of the sweetest people. Uh, that we have in the genre. <laughs> yeah, he's, he likes to mentor a lot of folks. He's the Uncle John, and I want the HWA to give him a lifetime award someday because he's written so much and done so much. So I would love okay. to see that. He's, yeah. uh, he's one of the biggest direct influences on me. Um, I mean, he's taking an hour to take a phone call with me just to, ah. just to talk about like anthologies, man, because I, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, bullshitting him when I say Dark Stars for anthologies has had one of the biggest impressions on me. It, it's just, you know, it's, it's lights out, man. It's, it's really excellent stuff. So I, I picked his brain uh, about That's anthologies. Cool. Yeah. I accidentally stepped into that realm and um, that's why I'm really, that was after we had you scheduled uh, John, uh, Jonathan Mayberry and a few others. So I'm really excited on top of all the other reasons to have you on. Um, I'm curious, and this may sound kind of maybe weird because you just came out with one, but is there plans for any others in the future that you are comfortable talking with, uh, talking about? Um, <laughs> um, well, the, the quick answer is no, but, you know, in horror, nothing ever stays dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that, right? Yeah, man. Hey, you came to me. So. Um yeah, I don't think so. But the only here's what I decided is because there was there's already folks that are interested in. Um, but um, I would want the backing of a another publisher, kind of the way Taft did Dark Stars. Like he edited it. He gathered the writers. He compiled it. But he's got the backbone of Tor behind it. You know, I just yeah. got me in my basement doing a tweet. And um, and there's a big difference. And I've got, you know, a far reach and I can publish in the same similar ways but it's still it's um it, it costs a lot and it's i'm at the point though where as long as i break even i'm okay um but it's it's a lot of work and and a lot of money of course mm-hmm. with all the all the all the people you contract with so um so if there's a big publisher listening and they want the back <laughs> then um but you know it's like pregnancy you got to forget the, the pain and frustration of it before you go at it again well, I think you've proven it that you certainly can uh, deliver very good stuff. Do you have any words for new or aspiring anthologists or editors? Because there's, there's a lot of neat stuff to think about, such as invite only, open submission, slush pile, how you treat it, uh, the order of the table of contents. Like, is there anything that you think is important or worth talking about? Um. Well, I think um, I mean if you open call, there is some you get some unique stuff and 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 a wide variety of stuff, and you have the chance to, to catch somebody who um, I think there's something to be said for somebody who maybe hasn't been published a lot or published with certain names, and so they want to write something so badass that it gets accepted with these folks versus somebody who's like, "Yep, I'll be in it," and maybe don't feel that you know that same eye of the tiger to. to to, to shoot out as, as good as stuff. So, or, you know, their best stuff. Um, so you might get with a little more enthusiasm, but with open call, I got some weird ass. Like I had someone said, you have two hours to respond to this submission or someone else will take it. Oh man. <laughs> That's what someone emailed or somebody would just literally, if I said not, nah, they would just shoot me another story and it wasn't even about addiction. And, um, and, um, or, you know, folks that I gave feedback sometimes, but, 
when you do, you open your door for a long conversation that gets more difficult and um, which sometimes, you know, you want to have that conversation because you're friends with them, but other times not. So, um, but I, I mean, I guess do what you're passionate about and, um, you know, there's that whole saying, write the book you want to read, create the anthology you'd want to read. And I liked, like Brendan said, um, longer works typically, um, meaning longer, you know, pages and word count versus shorter. Um, and so that's kind of what I went with. And it's a topic where, like, I couldn't edit some of these folks in terms of some of their style, but I mean, I, I could, but I could add more to them through shining up the addiction parts. So there's a lot of stuff that it might be a couple sentences, but I modified it to like, you know, this is what this drug will do, or at this point, this person would probably be experiencing this. And it was great working with the authors on that. And that's what helped create some of the work is some of my um, addiction history, because um, I think we all have things that special knowledge that nobody else would know. And, you know, write what you know, anthologize what you know, or are passionate about. Um, so that would be the other part. That's my daughter. She's on the way home. So, um, I also, to be safe and not text and drive. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, lastly, I think I made a more concerted effort with Orphans of Bliss to be more diverse. Um, and I did go up to 10 authors. Um, but I realized, you know, that um, there was a more um, um, mixed gender in the second book, but it was still not enough even. And so I, I purposely reached out to, there's a lot of people I reached out to that, that didn't agree, but they at least said, you know, no, but, um, um, you know, you look at the table of contents, there's a lot more diversity there. I had to keep, I didn't have to keep, but I wanted to keep Keelan as a starter because I don't know the continuity there. I just love, and they're all from the same universe. Um, Taff I wanted to have, and Gabino was in the second one, now in the third one, but um, Cassandra Ka, who prose was amazing. As soon as I read um, Black and Teeth, I wrote her, and um, and S.A. Cosby, when he said yes, that was my probably run around the living room, oh my God, you know, moment. Nice. Yeah, so, but back to your question. Um, <laughs> anthologize what you're passionate about and what you know, I think it's the big thing. And, um, and it's going to cost time and money, but you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Do you have a lot of focus on the last story or the first one? I know we talked about Keelan being in the first one for them, but is there a lot of focus on what will end the anthology? Um, I do think of it a lot. And um, for example, I almost had Taft's story ending, um, lullabies just because it was a cosmic compilation of all horrors but and i think mercedes last line and the melancholy way it ended was so perfect um mm. um ketchum's return from the dead the whole moment was um was so perfect for the ending story um i usually folks like to have the, the big powerhouse names at the front or the end you know what i mean um yeah. Some of that is just because, hey, if you want to read, you know, um, Keelan Patrick Burke or S.A. Cosby, you got to read to the last story. So, <laughs> um, but I decided to trump that and 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 put me in the end because, um, and I just felt like if this is my last anthology, you know, um, it's definitely not the best work in there. But I figure out I'll try to end it off. And if you've read the the story, it kind of fits with the chronicity of addiction and how it will keep going on. You want to say hello? The daughter has entered the chat. Sure. <laughs> hey, wouldn't be the first daughter in, man. Uh, Matt Corley and his. No, it's not like. Oh, I'm scared. Just say hi. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Hey. Your dad's awesome. <laughs> you know that as far as orphans of bliss, you covered you covered a lot of what I wanted to talk about in compiling okay. the table of contents. Uh, I, I think it is really cool that you got S.A. Cosby in there because the world at large knows him as, you know, a thriller writer, um, a, a, a crime writer. And he is one of us. He is a yeah. big horror, horror guy. guy. Um, and it was cool to see him, you know. Uh, practice those chops and throw a story in there. I really enjoyed that. Yep. I just got it too. Yep. 
Um, yeah, it, and and his is one of the more horries of horish of all of them, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think if you're listening, he talked about how you know he wrote a I think it was him he wrote a werewolf novel when he was little, one of his first not novel but a story. Excuse me, that was like Faulkner, wasn't it? I wrote a werewolf novel, but um, <laughs> yeah, he um he loves horror and um he was at AuthorCon. Unfortunately, I wasn't there to meet him, but um. I want to make sure to mention Krista's story because that one just blew my mind. Um, mm. And I was so glad that I've been able to contact her as soon as I finished reading it. I'm like, what the hell did you just do? And, you know, <laughs> um, and a lot of folks are saying that um, that's one of their favorites. And, you know, everybody has different tastes and they vary, but her story is amazing, I think. And, um, and I've talked to her a lot about addiction horror throughout the years. And um, she had another work about, heroin handcuffs and um what was it called something different than that but damn that's that's cool yeah she did an amazing job um she is a uh, very underrated uh in my opinion short story writer i've you know i have not seen a ton of people talk about her collection i believe it's something borrowed something blood soaked but everybody who yeah. does has only the best things to say yeah she's great to talk to and um you know someday um she's by 15 years younger, I'll pass on the addiction horror, you know, to her. She'll take over. <laughs> That's excellent. She knows uh, it's really well. Did you get any shit for having your own book, your own, your own uh, story in this anthology? Um, mostly from myself. Um, but you know what I mean? Like I, um, I've, I've seen a lot of people say, what the hell? Why do people put their own self into their anthology? But, um, you know, I do realize that, I don't know that I would I, um, I've been able to be in an anthology with some of these names. Um, and if other folks, you know, thought my work wasn't up to it, I would definitely have looked at it. In fact, I've, I've you know, I've mentioned a Taft. I said, I should probably not be in the next one. He's like, no, no. And invite all these cool authors and stick my name next to them. But, um, so, yeah. well, uh, but you I know think, what though? I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. If I wait. I was going to say, you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you write the, you write the book that you want to read, or in this case, you edit the anthology that you want to read. And if it's something that, you know, you want to exist and you feel strongly that you know about this and you can tell that story, then I, I don't see any problem whatsoever with including your story. You know, you have an authoritative voice on the matter and you have something to say. It's why, why should your story belong in this anthology any less just because you're compiling the list of authors that um, is coming together? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, I know a thing or two cause I seen a thing or two kind of thing. And, and so um, I could, uh, um, you know, have some verity behind it. And, and, and I also think that, you know, I had a, um, either a minor or at least a little bit of a uh, influence on all the stories, editing them, but without editing out the voice and or anything like that. So, um, I was already in the anthology if I put my own story in there or not. Right. So, um, and I think, um, you know, I, if I, if I had to rate my own stories, I think, Lizard from Lullabies is a better work than um, than uh, My Soul's Bliss, which is a better work than Garden of Fiends. So, um, which was a, the lead story in, in Garden of Fiends, was my short story. Um, but that Garden of Fiends story, somebody made a podcast out of it, like a Chilling Tales, and they did it mm. over six episodes, and it's really oh, cool shit. if you look on YouTube. Yeah. Wow. If you look on YouTube, Garden of Fiends, and they tell it in a bunch of different. Um, that's really, really cool. That's super cool, man. That that that's someone putting their hard work into something you created. That's special. Yeah, they put sound effects on it, and you know it was pretty neat. It's amazing, man. Um, I want to have that in the show notes. Um, hey, before I forget, uh, Joe Lansdale is someone that I I want his advice too. And he's edited. For those that don't know, he's. He's an anthologist as well. He's edited quite a bit. And um, he said a lot of, as he always does, he has a lot of wisdom. But one thing that stuck out the most was this. Whether you're doing, you or any other editor, um, whether you're intense, malicious or not, even then you still have a right because you're the editor. And he said at the end of the day, 
and I'm paraphrasing, he said, uh, you're the editor. It's up to you. It's whatever you want, you know? And, yeah. and I thought that was really great. Uh, cause I, you know, I'm in my own anthology. It's a super specific reason why the anthology was created. Um, with my story was sold before I was an editor <laughs> because I kind of like got myself that gig. Um, but the point being is I got some guff for that. And then I talked to Joe and he said, that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You put, you put yourself out there for all sorts of criticism when you put yourself out there and you gotta be okay with it. And, um, you know, you get on social media and you're like, are they talking about me? But then, but, and I've never regretted not engaging, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, there, yeah, you get criticism or you get it directly, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So I think, um, yeah, what Joe, isn't Joe also the one who said, right, like everyone you know is dead? Yeah. Yep. That's I amazing. love that. It's amazing. And I thought yeah, that's what you were going to say when you were talking about his quote, but I, but I mean, which I think relates to what you're saying is don't worry about pissing people off. Um, they're going to be pissed off, but pretend that they won't be and, or, you know, criticize you for whatever. So. Um, I don't know if you saw my post today, man, but there was this one, I don't look at reviews for this show really ever anymore. I don't know why I did today, but I looked and I had a bit of two star rating and I'm not going to read it. It's super long. It's ranty. You, okay. So for people that haven't, it's really funny. It's on Apple Podcasts. I think you should check it out if you're looking for a laugh. The guy might even be listening to this, um, which would be funny, too. But basically, he said that we have a bunch of liberals that um, and we don't go on like a milk crate. Like there are episodes and we do. We have said, I mean, I personally have said, like, fuck Trump. But I because I, 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 I get riled up. I you said the, it again. Oh, no. OK. I lost another <laughs> lost another hardcore fit. But the whole thing is, is. um he kind of made it seem like this show is just uh super hard leaning to the left and and like woke I'm, fuck, right? I'm, I'm not ex- woke <laughs> we're not extreme on on either side but like we are we're like most artists liberal thinking like we want most people to have you know good things and stuff yeah, so I mean, in general horror writers are but yeah but you know i saw that i saw that quote and then i you know i thought well i'm gonna start with my uh you know my gun theory you know what i mean but uh, it was pretty funny because it went from one thing to another. And um, my whole point was, is uh, when I showed Brennan, we were laughing about it. And and basically, like you said, you you're in a public eye, um, be it, it's not a big one, but yeah, you don't know who's listening. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird sometimes when some guys coming at you being like, you know, I like your show motherfucker. And there's some authors that I like, but screw them and this is why and here's a theory it's wow. like oh okay yeah. <laughs> uh, in the interest in the full interest of being petty i hope we ruined that guy's week um his name was steve-o and i was really hoping it wasn't the jackass steve-o I he was a jackass yeah um mark one one takeaway from something you said a couple minutes ago i think is just so worth repeating you said i i've never regretted not engaging you, you'll never regret not engaging just letting them shout into the void and be angry and miserable so i don't think i've been in any twitter wars but there i've seen plenty and <laughs> so i just curse myself i probably have one going on right now i'm probably <laughs> let me look and see if I'm being attacked now anyways um oh thank goodness <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be weird it's it's uh it's definitely a weird scene. It's like the wild west, but it's just, everyone's mad about everything. Um, yeah. yeah. So Brennan, uh, still on anthologies or do you want to go tour to the next uh, topic? I'm taking us to an extremely random topic and Mark, if you don't have an answer for this, that's okay. But I have to ask you. So I know you are a huge Hamilton fan and ah. I'm so curious because you know, the, the storytelling there, and the you know repetition of themes, whether it be yeah. through music or other devices, is absolutely brilliant. It's it's yeah. it, there's no other word for it. And I'm wondering if watching that show as many times as you have has helped you in storytelling in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think it has. And it's funny. You, my daughter's beside me; she can hear me. She's the one I've seen it with like eight times um, <laughs> over the last six years. Um, I think it's such a passionate show about like Alexander himself was, I think manic the way he wrote 
You know what I mean? Um, and if you hear him, you know, he's constantly the song. Why do you write like you're running out of time? Um, he thinks he can solve any problem by writing, right? Um, he thinks he can write his way out of hell, right? Um, in the song, um, Hurricane. And, and in fact, if I, I studied that and I was just um, tweeting this to Laurel Hightower about how she's like, can I write my way out of this hell? And I'm like, well, yeah, you can. Look what Hamilton did. He, um, he was on a small island in the Caribbean and there was a big hurricane and he wrote about it and he wrote like a one page thing. And it's like this Lovecraftian horror thing and it's brilliant. And a bunch of the, uh, the Islanders saw it and they're like, Oh my God, we got to get this kid to the mainland or I don't know how the quote goes. And so they, um, they raised money and they sent him to the colonies cause they knew he was talented. And um, you know, the, the song, the whole show is about um, or the whole message is about, making good use of your time. And um, of course he was a little bit uh, megalomaniacal and megalomaniac. And, um, you know, because of it um, was a little bit tragic and left his Eliza with the kids. But um, um, it definitely, just talking about it now, pumped me up. See what you did? I'm going to finish this up and go watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> thing is i've only watched it once on disney but we've seen mm. it so many times it just doesn't i still love it but it's not the same you know we won um the lottery a couple times so we were sitting in second row and chests are thumping from the cannons and boom and it's really yeah cool. yeah I, I would imagine that has to be an experience i actually came into it i you know when it first became a sensation you know x number of years ago um i i just did not get around to checking it out. I've never been to a Broadway play anyway, so that wouldn't have uh, helped me. But um, through teaching piano lessons, I ended up becoming very familiar and hearing all the songs uh, 8 billion times. And I, I had so many students, uh, vocal students, especially who would do these beautiful renditions. I'm like, I got to go yeah. check out the original. And I just got hooked. Um, oh. But like I said, the music is phenomenal uh, uh -huh. but the storytelling um is just next yeah. level it's really something the way that they introduced the main character at the beginning and um yeah there's i mean yeah the, the themes and, and the the recurring themes and yeah it's, it's awesome i think <laughs> all right patrick yeah. I'm, I'm done with the uh stage musicals if you would like to take us somewhere else <laughs> talking about late news next if you want <laughs> oh perfect how do you feel about russell crowe <laughs> He, didn't, he needed to look more intimidating than he did. I want to pick up one of Mark's questions uh, or suggestions. I want to know why you love calling yourself a hobbyist. Ah, a hobbyist. Um, well, it takes the pressure off of thinking I need to write enough to make a career out of um, writing. Um, and um, also I can write whatever I want, like, if I'm not in a career, I got to worry about, you know, not tweeting too political, um, um, not writing in my genre enough or in my brand enough. Um, and it just keeps the passion there versus it doesn't make it into a business. Now, I would love to be able to write full time. Don't get me wrong. I totally would. Um, I prefer that if I, you know, could sell enough and, and wrote enough that folks bought it and supported the home. That, um, and, uh, and I also want my work to like look as good as the professionals, you know what I mean? Those, when I say professionals, those who work full time as a writer, um, you know, to, I want people to like, what should I read? I don't want them to think I'm a less than. And so I try to write um, and only publish what is worthy of that. But saying hobbyist just makes it more fun, doesn't make it a, a drudgery. Um, and, uh, write what you want. It just takes the pressure off a lot. Um, that makes there sense. was a whole scandal years ago about somebody saying, well, you're just a hobbyist. And so I think I co-opted the term. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brennan, why don't you dive into the next thing? Yeah, no, I was, I was, uh, that, that's a great explanation is, is just having the freedom to, kind of be that, you know, yes, it would be great to be a full-time writer. I would love to, you know, not uh, not have to uh, be out the door at seven every morning, be able to come in here, sit and, you know, just do what I do, write. Um, but 
to be able to kind of focus like, hey, you know, I would like to start a new novella and I don't have, uh, you know, 800 looming deadlines uh, and I don't have to, like you said, worry that the tweet I sent last night is too political and that my publisher is going to drop me and that, oh, yeah. it's, it is it is kind of nice to remove that pressure, even if it's only just kind of a little um, uh, coping technique almost. Yeah. Uh, just keep you at your best, I suppose. Um, yeah, I liken it to the guy who carves little wood carvings in his garage that sometimes looks as neat or as unique as you might find at a store, um, but he does it more for a hobby and he might sell them, but he'll do it whether you buy them or not. So that's me, I guess. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to keep writing whether or not, you know, no matter how many copies I sell. That's perfect. Yeah, right on. I mean, that's, right. look, I'm just going to say this, though. I feel like that that really dictates or indicates to me personally I don't speak on Brent's behalf. It's going to be super clear. I think that's the difference between an actual writer and someone that just does it for fun. And that sounds like I'm poking fun at hobbyists or whatever, or maybe it does. But I, I really think that like there are people, and I'm not knocking them, but I think there are people that kind of do it and see if it's for them, and it's not, and that's fine. But yeah. I forget what author said it. And I hear, I hear Brian, I heard Brian Keith say this a lot on his uh, podcast when it was up, which, by the way, check it out. Haven't talked about it in a while. Brian Keene with Horror Show. Great stuff. But um, someone that he quoted saying if he had a stick and he was on an island, he'd still write. And I, because we have a draft, we have a, we have a necessity. Uh huh. Um, I don't know, just worth re mentioning. So, uh, Brian, Brian, I stole away your thunder. Nope, steal away. You want to lead us on? Mark, what are you currently reading? Um, oh my god, I've got my stack. I put him on the I spot. Damn it, Brennan. <laughs> um, actually, I'm reading Josh Mellerman's new who I'm so geeked as in Orphans because um you know I run into him here and there and um but here is some of my Stoker Con pool and I started oh. every single one of these. What's really what's rabbits? That was up for uh, best first novel, I think. That looks really fucking cool, man. It's it's a mind twisty. These are the ones I've mostly dug into. See, I'm pretty unfocused, but this, Ghost Eaters. I've a panel with her. She's fantastic. Yep. Katrina Monroe. And this one starts off with a bunch of people taking acid in a graveyard. <laughs> nice that's awesome man i uh just heard a new podcast like it, it's only two episodes deep um brennan please help me out or actually Tom, be... tomes of terror tomes or of terror, terror tomes or something like that uh you know what who who's the host uh here it is terrifying tomes of terror yeah so they had clay on there for his okay second episode and you know what's funny is we were mainly you were talking about Josh Mallerman and man, if his energy and cadence of speech wasn't just like a cousin of Josh, I don't know who's yeah. this. He he actually seems, um, was, he seems like a really sat, cool guy. I sat next to him at the um, there was a mass signing and got a chance to talk to him a couple times, um, and he was a cool guy. And he's like, and he told me he. Um, read part of Garden of Fiends as um, research as part of he read a bunch of addiction books, but for for this book, so um, I have wrote to him a couple of times. So what a cool start of the book it is. Apparently, it gets pretty grim, but that's fine. Um, um, I, I just had to, that. That sounds like an amazing book, by the way. I do want to check it out after hearing. Yeah, Ghost Eaters. Fast read too, because I think, man, there, we all have so much to read. It's hard when they have a big 500 pager. Yeah. Which, by the way, worth, I agree, worth repeating though, um, Terrifying Tones of Terror. Uh, it's it's an excellent podcast. Um, you know, we don't, I don't think we do enough shout outs to other podcasts besides this is horror. Fuck you, Michael. I know you're listening. <laughs> I love that guy. I love that guy so much. By the way, I'm totally kidding. I love Michael yeah. and Bob with all my heart. Um, but, I just want to read a text because I did. Uh, I snuck a screenshot of us three and I sent it to Mercedes 
And uh, I just said that we, we just mentioned you and good stuff. And she said, that makes me so happy. I love you guys. Uh, and really like Mark. I love that story. So that's good stuff, man. Well, yeah, it is a great story. It was, uh, and it's so fitting. So Brennan, what you reading, man? Uh, before I hit that, two things I want to throw out. Number one, you'd mentioned before that we don't uh, shout out podcasts enough. And, you know, it, it's, I think it's worth throwing out there that, you know, we, we always talk about how other writers are not the competition. It's how it's important it is to build each other up. And I think that's true of podcasts too, just because we can't interview everybody. There are so many great writers out yeah, there exactly. and we'd love to talk to them all, but our wives would murder us in our sleep for booking every night. Um, and not only that, but, you know, we will, even when we get a chance to have a conversation with somebody, we will always, you know, uh, he listen to other episodes they have on other podcasts because there's always interesting angles that questions can come from. It's never, you know, it's never the same. Some, you might get to talk about something on here uh, and have a completely and utterly different conversation on this is horror on uh, Ross Jeffrey's channel on um, Brad Proctor and Jay, uh, the world. Of, yeah. Paper cuts. That's the one. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's really cool to shout out. Um I am reading Marla by Jonathan Jans. That's a Earthlings Halloween book for this year. Um, And that, you know, I don't think the uh, zoom screen. I love that cover. It's stunning, man. The, the, the use of color is really, really something. Um, And it's, it's Jans. He doesn't miss. I mean, it's a, it's a really excellent story. It takes, it's, it's a little bit of weird happenings in a small town uh, something that he tends to do pretty well, especially if you uh, read Children of the Dark and can't wait for Children of the Dark too. Um, it, it, I think it's. I think that uh, a lot of people are going to pick that up from Earthling and be pretty psyched. And I am also reading. Speaking of 500-page books that take a long time, uh, The oh. Force by Don Winslow, um, because I heard it was very reminiscent of The Shield, which is my favorite tv show of all time and did not know that hits those notes hmm. Pat, what about you? um yeah so i just want to talk about winslow super quick so when uh, i went i went to sign in uh a few weeks ago and i got um my arc i asked them because i know like lansdale won't sign arcs because people try selling for stupid amounts of money and um he said that probably somewhere i don't remember where but uh I asked Don and he said, sure. So I had it signed to my dad because he's super into, you know, thrillers, crimes and all that. And they, they, you guys know this, but I don't think we talked about it on here. They just got to my house today and he dove into it and he's like, oh, this is great stuff. I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm going to read this guy more, more now. And I'm like, yeah, I knew you'd like it. It's so cool to hear <laughs> that because it's based on the Iliad and Homer and all the Greek uh, stories. Yeah. But it, he said, it's pretty much like, that is the blueprint, only it's focusing on the Italian versus Irish mafia um, in the 1980s in New England, because he grew up in Providence in the 80s. And uh, I just thought that was really neat. But OK, what I'm reading, um, FIFA, few things, audiobook I got. Uh, it's called The Frozen Hours by Jeff Shara. Um, I am I probably talk about this a lot now more than in the beginning of the show, but I'm, I'm really into uh, war books um, and he's, he's pretty, pretty damn good. It's about the Korean war when the Marines had the biggest embarrassment uh, in the first year of the war. And it was one of the coldest battles in that part of Asia in like, I think it was 50 or hundred years, but yeah, the uh, the American, the Marines got super fucking ambushed by the Chinese that were helping the Koreans. And um, yeah, we got our asses whooped big time. L.M. Labat, she has, um, she's two, well, her second book coming out in a series, Vampire Series, where it's set in uh, Europe. The Sanguinarian Schwarzwald, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that German word right, but um, I thought I was tired of vampire books a few years ago and then i read a few like vic lemay's series and uh it's just you know it's it's amazing like we're, we're talking about werewolf stories like malaman he wrote that 
um, excellent one that won the Stoker last year. It's last just information or something. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. When you, when you think you've read it all, you really haven't. And it's just, yeah. And then speaking of werewolves, this is not a, I didn't do this on purpose, but um, we're having Janine pipe on. It'll be two episodes from now, but we're talking to her uh, next weekend. And she wrote this wonderful book called Sausages, the Making of yeah. Dog Soldiers. And we're really excited to talk about that. Um, so we're diving into that book, too. And, you know, you want to talk about amazing people. She is just the embodiment of cheerleading um, yeah. in a good heart. So worth mentioning, Janine Pipe, check yeah, her out. Yeah, uh, You feel the positive vibes coming out. For sure. Mark, where can people follow you? Um, well, I am on Twitter. That's probably my main source. Um, and, uh, I have a webpage, wickedrunpress.com, um, Instagram, which I'm not very good at using, but I'm getting better. Um, or I can just follow me, come on over to Michigan and I'll say hi. <laughs> I told, man, uh, you don't know who listens to the show. I just yeah, found yeah, recently. Don't say that. Steve O's on his way. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> you have any final thoughts um no other than you guys do such a great job and you must have a real passion and, and love to do this to do this so much and to get the kind of folks you get on that speaks to, to you know um what a great job you're doing and it's you know it's part of your heart and thanks for having me and i will see you out there somewhere in the world at the next convention or the next post or whatever it might be yeah definitely i'm gonna go first i'm gonna cut part of your line um i am a Super appreciative that um, we think very highly of you. Normally, I don't do this. I used to talk about how we got a shop, but uh, you know, I'll do it right now. Uh, we have a shop. We also have a website. It's called Deadhead Space. Uh, I actually got coffee mugs. It's got my face. You know what, man? Um, I've thought of this. People must think I'm super egotistical because I got my face on it. But that was before Brennan and I started talking, <laughs> and before I knew that he would want to do this because it. I just said I wanted to do a podcast to get my name out there. Um, kind of something different. Well, I thought it was just me, and then Brennan joined on after we commissioned. After I commissioned Todd Keeslin, would you like me to leave? No, you make me so much better. <laughs> Brennan's my, right? Brennan's my better half. <laughs> we also Go have bookmarks. Space.com. Find a bookmark. <laughs> no, but they, these are neat. They're metal bookmarks, and they got a little clip. And they just wanted to show one more because, like I said, I, I don't do this shit anymore. Notebooks too. You know, um, if you're into that, if not, whatever, doesn't matter. All right, Brennan, final thoughts. <laughs> uh, Mark, it's been a long time coming. We're so happy that uh, you were able to join us tonight. Um, I, you know, you know, I feel so strongly about these anthologies. I think they're really great. And with uh, Orphans of Bliss out, I hope uh, anybody who hasn't picked it up already will grab a copy and blast through it because it's it's got some really, really good stories in it. Great. Thank you, Renan. I appreciate it. And congrats on uh, on the new home for Slattery Falls, right? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yep. I think that's really out again yeah, in the world. Second one's going to be out there. Yeah, so that'll too. be out in about in November. That's awesome. Or um, December. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> Next episode will be a spotlight episode. That is our 12th. It's going to be with Hope Madden. She's a filmmaker, writer. She has a book that just came out with Off Limits Press. So, uh, she's going to be doing a reading from that spotlight episodes. For those that don't know, it's a mini episode where we take the time to have a reading and a Q and a on that piece. Uh, listeners slash viewers. Thank you so much for joining us again. You have many choices in podcasts. Appreciate you stopping by. I'm just making shit up as I go now. Uh-huh.